Well, some things in life really goes gangbusters. Whether it's your kaikuyu or buffalo grass in your front yard, that's me, the explosion of Bitcoin currency worldwide, or the Kickstarter campaign by Zach Brown to make a potato salad. I'm not joking. Now, if you don't know, Kickstarter is a company, uh, it's a crowdfunding company. People might try and start a new, like want to launch a new product on there, way of raising capital uh, to be able to uh, launch a new product. Now, Zach thought he'd have some fun and raise, try and raise $10 to try and make the best potato salad out there. He ended up raising over $55,000. Kind of ridiculous. Uh, much that he gave away to charity. Now, that's not all that can go gangbusters in life. Christian ministry can as well. The ministry of Hudson Taylor came to my mind and the China Inland Mission. I wonder if you've heard about it. Hudson Taylor was a missionary from England who first visited China in 1854. Now, in 1905, Hudson had died, but the mission had continued on. By 1939, CIM, China Inland Mission, had more than, more than 1,300 missionaries working in China, with nearly 200,000 people being baptised through this mission. More locally, Billy Graham still holds a record number uh, at the MCG for, the one, for uh, attending in one day, with over 130,000 people hearing him preach the gospel on 15th of March, 1959. One final example that I'll mention is that of the crowd-funded TV series, The Chosen, created by Angel Studios, a TV series that depicts the life of Jesus primarily from the eyes of those who might encounter him, whether it's his disciples or the crowds or, or the Pharisees or anyone else. A series that is the most crowd-funded TV show to date worldwide having raised something like $40 million for its production and viewed by millions of people all over the world. In Matthew's Gospel here, we get to explore kind of where it all started, exploring the beginning of Jesus' own ministry, a ministry that also went gangbusters. In just a few verses, Matthew outlines for us what Jesus' ministry was all about, both its focus and its content, as well as its spectacular result, with Jesus quite literally piercing this dark world with the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Now, as we explore the early uh, ministry of Jesus, we're going to learn from the Master himself and see why and what the gospel of the kingdom is all about and why it is spectacular news for us. And so first then, I want to just consider the content of Jesus' ministry according to these verses that's been read. What was he primarily focused on? Uh, as we do this, as we look at the content of his ministry, I think we're going to gain two things. 
One, I think it helps us uh, shape our own ministry and Christian ministry in more general senses, of all sense of the word. And secondly, we get to enjoy and simply bathe in the work that Christ has and is doing in the world. I read verse 23 again, which I'll be focusing on for this first point. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. In this verse, we're guided by three key words, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. First, teaching. Jesus taught. He was a teacher. As such, he was the par excellent prophetic teacher, the best biblical teacher, the greater prophet after Moses. He knew his Bible. He knew how to teach it to the human heart. If you read the Gospels, they are filled with pithy sayings, illustrations, and parables. Jesus so carefully, so skillfully, so effectively communicated God to others. In this way, Jesus fulfilled his prophetic office. Now, the word teaching here is the same word the New Testament uses to describe something that all Christians can do. For example, in Colossians 3.16, Paul says there, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You could say then that there are various word ministries of the people of God. Preaching the Bible is simply one of many. Peter Adams, in his book, Speaking God's Words, makes this very point. He says, while preaching is one form of the ministry of the word, many other forms are reflected in the Bible and in contemporary Christian church life. It is important to grasp this point clearly, or we shall try to make preaching carry a load which it cannot bear. That is, the burden of doing all that the Bible expects of every form of ministry of the word. He goes on in his, that same chapter of the book to analyze various reformers and how they lived out their Christian ministry. John Calvin, for example, outside of preaching, wrote books. Uh, he wrote commentaries, letters, church order documents, theological treaties. He met with groups of pastors and lectured and counseled people one-on-one and brought the word to bear on their situation. Even Jesus himself preached and he taught his disciples. He spoke to people in one-to-one conversation. Jesus taught in synagogues. And just like how Martha Luther, uh, Martin Luther took full advantage of the printing press back in the 16th century during the Reformation, the church has freedom to use a variety of means to get God's word out there. Whether it's Christian books or in growth groups or Bible study ministries, one-to-one evangelism or the chosen series. Second word, preaching or proclaiming, sorry. Jesus proclaimed the word. He preached. Indeed, preaching was central to his ministry. 
It was a staple in his ministry diet. He would go from place to place proclaiming and preaching. Here it says throughout all Galilee. While on the one hand, some churches can place too great a burden on preaching and say it should do everything. It's also possible for churches to undervalue preaching as well. Indeed, proclaiming the word is the primary ministry of the word. The Greek word here to proclaim is that of a herald. In Roman culture, a herald was a spokesperson for someone who had a powerful office or a political office of some kind. This person, this herald, was to publicly speak on their behalf, speaking the message entrusted to them accurately and with authority. By using this word, Matthew wants, us, uh, wants to show us that to proclaim is not merely a lecture or uh, teaching in a classroom. It's more than that. It's authoritative, public declaration and explanation of the Scriptures. With ministers of the gospel charged, as foolish as it is, to boldly preach God's word. What did Jesus proclaim? What says in that verse, the gospel of the kingdom. As such, Jesus not only spoke God's message, he in himself is that message. In his person and in the work that he achieved on this, in this world, on the cross especially. That God's kingdom crashed into this dark world through him, like a dam breaking forth, no longer able to hold the water back. Jesus did this by bringing the very presence of God amongst his people. For he was God, God in flesh. A presence God's people can enjoy and experience without fear and dread. All because he atoned for our sin on the cross, as we even considered a bit earlier in this service. And in his resurrection, he rose up again, rising to conquer that sin and the powers of darkness. Now ever since, ever since Christ has ascended back to heaven, he has sent forth the Holy Spirit so that God's people can receive the Holy Spirit in us as a heavenly down payment, having God live in us and amongst us, to be able to enjoy this spiritual life, new life that comes from God, having the knowledge that our sins are indeed forgiven and that we have peace with God and from God. In this way, the kingdom of God for now is first and foremost a spiritual reality for believers in this world, with the good news of God's inbreaking kingdom uh, beginning the reversal of what happened back in the fall, where Adam and this world plunged into sin. Adam's sin first meant and brought spiritual death to humanity that eventually led to physical death. Likewise, the promise of the gospel is the promise of new spiritual life now. And the hope of a new resurrected body with Christ later when he returns. In Luke 17 verse 20 to 21, 
says there, Jesus answered, God's kingdom is coming, but not in a way that you will be able to see with your eyes. People will not say, look, here it is, or there it is, because God's kingdom is within you. And so I asked, do you know this presence of the living God for yourself? Jesus says back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, just a few verses back, that his kingdom can be experienced through repentance of sin. This is where many in our culture get unstuck. How can, you, how can the need to repent, something that seems so negative to many, be included in the good news of the coming kingdom? Some might think that. Really, you expect me to believe what the Bible says, that we're lousy sinners, not good on the inside, that we are to believe the words of Isaiah 64, verse 6, where it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, the polluted garment here in that verse quite literally means dirty menstrual rags. I don't know about you, but that is off-putting. But that is kind of the point. Often God, in his words, speaks of sin in really uh, uh, vivid terms like this, really off-putting terms. The point is it's trying to wake us up to re- the reality of our sin and, it's, uh, and how dark and putrid it is before a holy God. And so I ask you this morning, if you are here today and you don't know Christ, the way to know him is through repentance. Are you willing to repent, to say no to sin, and in faith to say yes to Jesus? In Acts 4 verse 12 it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The third word this morning, healing. Just briefly, Jesus also healed miraculously with power from on high now jesus did so for two main reasons one was to authenticate the ministry of the word the gospel of john speaks of his miracles as signs tangible evidence that jesus was who he said he was and the message that he brought was truth Second, his healings showed the compassion and mercy of God. A foretaste of God's kingdom coming amongst humanity. Preaching the good news was indeed central to his mission. Mark 1 from verse 36, it says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for him. And he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus' ministry centrally was all about preaching. And along the way, he healed many, and he also taught many. So that's his, the content of his ministry. Next, I want to consider what did it lead to? What was the result of Jesus' earthly ministry as depicted in these verses? 
And what we find is something spectacular indeed. I read from verse, the last two verses there, 24 and 25 in our text. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. In these verses, we see four things coming to pass. One, we see God in Christ being glorified with word and fame of his preaching and miracles reaching far and wide in Galilee and beyond. The Christian life and Christian ministry is not first and foremost about you and me. It's about God and his glory. In this way, the Christian ought to adopt a similar attitude to John the Baptist, where he says in John 3.30, speaking of Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. An attitude that uh, goes against every fiber of the Westerner's human heart. Western civilization tends to put humanity on such a pedestal. Have faith in humanity, many think and say. Look at all that we have achieved. Look at our glory. Our society and thinking is so geared towards self-glory. Achieve much, glory much. But the truly gospel-minded heart says when it achieves anything, I only achieve that because God gifted me all I needed to do it. And he deserves all the glory. Is that the attitude of your heart today? Number two, people brought those in need to Jesus. The Christian must fight the temptation to be a counterfeit saviour, pretending to be the one able to achieve more for others than God has allowed. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you and I can't fix all the problems that people face. Sure, in God's grace, we may very well be able to help to alleviate and with much love and support help each other in each and every way. And indeed we should. But in the end, we are limited. The best doctor can only delay the onset of death. We are limited in our ability to deal with all the fallenness of sin that is being brought into this world. But we know someone who can deal with it. We know Jesus. Maybe the Sunday school answer is the right answer. (laughs) Jesus. Are you pointing others to Jesus as saviour of the world? Constantly diverting others to him as the ultimate source of hope in the midst of life's troubles. In this way, the Christian life deflects in two ways. Not only do we deflect in seek to give him the glory. But like on who wants to be a millionaire, we're constantly phoning a friend for the answer, calling up Jesus who has the answer, who is the answer. Number three, Jesus 
healed many of many sicknesses and illnesses. Those with sicknesses, diseases, leprosy, those possessed by demons, those experiencing debilitating seizures, those who are paralytics, the disabled. He was able and willing to heal all types of physical conditions. Jesus really did care for the whole person, body and soul. And he does, at times, still heal today. Do miracles happen? Yes. Per, uh, a testimony can, comes to mind of uh, even at the pastor's wife conference that I last attended, uh, one of our own CRCA ministers spoke of his own story. Uh, he grew up in another country, and when he was an infant, he came down with a life-threatening illness uh, that didn't have a cure. Uh, his father was a Hindu, Hindu at the time, and he tried every Hindu witch doctor in town, and none could help. So he thought he'd go to the Christians and just give, give their Christian God a go to see if that God might be of any help. And after Christians prayed for this child, he was miraculously healed, causing the father and the whole family to come to know Christ. And now today, three of the sons in that family are serving as ministers, as pastors who preach the gospel. God may not heal as much as we might like or think that he does, but he does. Number four, people came from everywhere. Great crowds followed Jesus from Galilee and the Decapolis, or ten cities, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from across the Jordan River. I mean, his name is going out there. In other words, Jesus preached the good news to everybody who came from everywhere and healed them of everything. And the world has literally not been the same with the spread of Christianity going gangbusters across the world ever since, spreading to every continent and to almost everywhere. Its spreading is nothing short of a miracle. Many of Christ's servants have indeed even had much bigger ministries than he. It's estimated Billy Graham had a lifetime audience that reached into the billions. And yet... For all its glory, fame, and triumph, Jesus' earthly ministry itself was surprisingly limited. His ministry only lasted a few years until he was murdered on the cross at Calvary. What's, so much, uh, what's more is so much darkness still persists in this world. So many still refuse to believe the gospel. So much pain and suffering, so much evil persists still in this world. Wars, illnesses, earthquakes, depression, hopelessness, godlessness. In the West, so much of Western culture seems to be kind of crumbling away, losing its Christian roots, turning away from the living God and embracing sin in full force. In some ways, the church too seems to be pretty weak. 
Many churches have lost their way and no longer preach a solid gospel. They don't want to preach about sin and judgment and all those difficult things in Scripture. The government continues to erode Christian principles and religious freedoms. Many Christians are apathetic to the call to make disciples. In such a context, many a Christian might be forgiven of asking God, God, where is your kingdom? Where is your power? Where is your work in the world and in my life? Why is it that sometimes things get, seem so bleak? Why is there so many shut doors to the gospel? How is the Christian to respond and think about such things? Well, Christian, we are to believe. We are to believe that Christ's ministry is still coming to a final climax. When he ushers upon his return, God's kingdom in all its fullness. Surer than the sun rising again tomorrow. Christian, do you believe that that day is coming? Do you look forward to that coming day? When we face the darkness of the world, may the Christians say, God's kingdom will reign. When our culture pursues godlessness, Christian, pray in your heart, God's kingdom will reign. When facing the reality of your own sinfulness, cry out, God's kingdom will reign. Let God's kingdom reign. Let God's kingdom reign from the Middle East. Let God's kingdom reign from Europe, from Australasia. Not only that, let God's kingdom reign from China, Russia, North Korea. Let God's kingdom reign from every hill in South America and every plain in Africa. From every mountainside, let God's kingdom reign. Christian, that day is coming. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we have considered your ministry, it was marvelous to be able to think back to what you did all those years ago. How many came and experienced the power of God from on high through you as you proclaim the good news of the kingdom and, and healed us of our many plights and diseases and ailments. Father, we thank you that you care for us wholesomely, that you cared enough to die on the cross and to rise again so that we might be born again on the inside and be forgiven of our sins. And not only that, but one day look forward to a renewed body, a body that won't perish, but will live forever. And Father, as we think about your ministry and how the ministry continues through your people, as the gospel goes throughout the world, Holy Spirit, I pray that us as a church would be faithful to that call. That Father, we would carry that message into the world. And be empowered by your spirit to do that. And Father, as we face obstacles, 
both from within and without. Father, I pray for great encouragement as we look forward to the final climax of your ministry. When you make all things right, that you do away with the fullness of this world and you usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Father, I pray that you'd help us to hold on to that promise and to be empowered by it as we live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.